as we come to our reading, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, whichever we view it as. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has sat. Loose it, and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way, and found the colt, tied by the door, outside on the street, and they loosed it. I don't know if some of you can remember when what it says in the King James about this. King James say, And they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where the two ways meet. In other words, crossroads. Remember? We met Jesus at the crossroads. I'm going to put that in, but I thought, no. <laughs> but, some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing, losing the colt? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their clothes on him, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees, and spread them on the road. Then those who went before, and those who followed, cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Adelaide knows what that means, don't you? Hosanna, yeah? Amen. Well done, son. Amen. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Well, that's an interesting thing, which we'll probably get into in a little bit, is that as he rode in, he went into the temple. But what did he do? He looked round and moved on. So what we need to understand is from chapter 11 forward, the events of Mark's Gospel take place in or near Jerusalem. From his triumphal entry to his resurrection from the dead, occurring within a time span of eight days. The most memorable eight days Earth has ever noticed, even better than creation. And the first day is often remembered as Palm Sunday, in which Jesus made this triumphal entry into the city, accompanied by crowds who laid branches on the road before him as he rode into town on the colt of a donkey. The significance of this event wasn't understood by his disciples until later. It's amazing. So then, in John chapter 12, verse 14 to 18, then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. When Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they had done these things to him. Therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason the people also met him, because they'd heard he'd done this sign. So lots of people had come to see him because he raised Lazarus from the dead. And uh, so they were expecting great things. 
And like, cause I don't know about you, have you ever experienced something like that? At first, you don't understand it. You don't say certain things that mean like you don't understand them. And then later on, through some other event, you come to understand what it meant. You know, it's hindsight. Uh, the benefit of hindsight and further revelation, we, we can take a closer look at this divinely timed event. Because we're able to do that. We, we're able uh, to look back at what the disciples looked back on and, and came to realise. And so we, we look at the preparation. Jesus and his disciples, they draw near to Jerusalem. And they come by the way of Bethpage, which means house of the unripe figs. And Bethany. The house of dates. Two small villages near the Mount of Olives between Jericho and Jerusalem. And Jesus arranges for two disciples to go and get this coat. A coat, we're told, which no one has sat on. That means a wild donkey. You know, I don't know if ever you've um, seen a wild donkey and you go and try and sit on it, you'd probably get booked off. It's, you know, they've got to be trained. But he sat on a coat which no one had sat on. And either by his omnipotent foreknowledge or previous arrangement, Jesus knows that the owner will consent to letting them take that coat. And the disciples get the coat, just as Jesus had predicted. And then the triumphal entry begins. Jesus mounts the coat. We read in verse 7 of Mark. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Well, some people always try to say there's a contradiction in the Bible, don't they? You know, because in Matthew, Matthew mentions two animals, which causes no difficulty, because one would likely be the mother of the donkey to calm the colt. You know, if you want to keep the colt calm, let its mother go with it. Because in Matthew 21, 2, it says. Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and sat, set him on them. Well, I can't see how that means that he set them on two colts. He's not going to set on two donkeys at the same time. So what it means is, they set him on, it could refer to the clothes rather than the donkeys. They set him on the clothes that they put on the donkey. And many spread their clothes on the road. Others cut leafy branches and, and placed them on the road before Jesus on this coat. And as Russ actually mentioned this morning, there's a very symbolic significance of the clothes placed before him, as recorded in 2 Kings, chapter 9, this is 12 to 13. It says, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then each man hastened to make his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. So it was a practice of Jews to one of the kings in that way. So we can, perhaps that's maybe why they wrote the red carpet out when the royalty, I don't know. So we can see that Jesus was being treated as a king. And John in his gospel mentions the, the kingly greeting of Jesus that they gave him in John 12, 13. It's the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They were hailing him as the King of Israel. 
must have been so excited. They've waited for hundreds of years, and now they believe that Messiah is here. I'm reading Mark 11, 9-10. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out. Just gave me a little picture of that little sentence, actually. Those who went before and those who followed. So what we're seeing is, we're told that there were people in front of Jesus and people behind him, praising Jesus as he rides in on that colt. He's surrounded by them. There's some in front of him, tucking the clothes down, etc. There's some behind him, and they're all shouting. Surrounded by Jews as he entered Jerusalem, crying, Hosanna! Save! Save us, please! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this would have been hundreds and hundreds of people shouting that. And what they're doing, they're quoting scripture. As they follow Jesus, they're quoting the scriptures because this is their Messiah. As we read in Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray now, send prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. That's what they were shouting. They were repeating that psalm. Hosanna in the highest. In the highest place. In other words. And it probably means save us O Lord. O God who lives in heaven. And Jesus enters Jerusalem. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things... As the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So, strange, he just went into that temple and had a look round. Where he likely, he then went to Bethany, probably stayed there the, the night, every night of the week there in Bethany. Until the Passover. And he was probably staying in the house of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus takes this short excursion into the temple. As we said, he looks around at all things to see if they were being used as God intended. That's what he went for. And actually, that led to his action the next day, which we read in Mark 11, 15 to 17. So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple and then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? So you see, as he rides into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple, he's gone in there to see if it is a house of prayer, he's gone in there to check that things are how they should be. But the next day he goes in, and he sorts them out. And Matthew explains that all this was a, in fulfilment of prophecy. In Matthew 21 verse 4, it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. And some view that the short visit to the temple as fulfilling that prophecy in Malachi. Malachi 3, 1 to 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, that's Christ. In whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like laundress soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. 
He will purify the sons of Levi. You see, you don't enter the temple to purify the sons of Levi. Who are the Levi? They're the priests. They're the priests. Who are the priests? They're the ones that buy and sell in the temple. And purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. See, the actions and words of the crowd show that they, they anticipated that their Messiah would come. Their king. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hundreds and hundreds of people in front of him, behind him, probably at the side of him. Hailing him as their Messiah who they've been waiting for. And yet, they still had a, a different view of the Messiah. They actually didn't want this kind of Messiah. You know, earlier, some had tried to force Jesus' hand to become the king, but he refused. In John 6, 15, it says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself. See, they, they weren't thinking of this Messiah uh, as a spiritual king. They were thinking of him as uh, some great deliverer like Joshua. Many were looking for the Messiah to be their physical king. But Jesus made it clear that his kingdom was not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. He told the Pharisees in Luke 17, 20-21, says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, Here or see, there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And he told Pilate, in John 18, 36, Jesus said to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And you know the Apostle Paul, he made it clear that the kingdom was spiritual and not physical. A lot of people were wanting a physical kingdom. In Romans 14, 17, Paul said, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, he said, Now this I say, brethren, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit corruption. You're looking for a wrong kingdom. You're looking for a wrong king. And even Jesus' selection of the Pope indicated the spiritual nature of his, of, his, uh, of his kingdom. Because normally kings wouldn't ride in on a donkey. They'd ride in on a big stallion. Symbolising war and power. But the donkey symbolised peace, befitting the nature of his kingdom, because he is the Prince of Peace. And the praise of the crowd was thunderous. How exciting it must have been on that day, the anticipation, the joy. Some, something like when he returns again if we're there. But then so quickly the crowd 
would change its tone from adulation to hatred. Yeah. If you remember, we've just done our study on the immutability of God. Our God doesn't change, but we're mutable. And that's a great piece to look at, isn't it? One minute they're praising him, the next they change the mind. Mutable people, but God's immutable. And Christ, he left the glory of heaven to become a sacrifice. Russ has said it a few times lately, a body you have prepared for me. When he came, he was cheered, he was jeered, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, and he was risen, and he was ascended. But what a different reception Jesus would receive when he returned to heaven. He had a different reception then. The praise of Christ resounded in heaven after his ascension. In Revelation 5, 8-14 we read of Jesus when he ascended. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And they didn't change their mind. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down, and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. No changing of the mind there. Yeah. They didn't praise him one minute, and curse him the next. He's now the right hand of the Father. He's the Lamb upon the throne. He's the Lion of Judah. And you know, if you're a true Christian, you'll be in that crowd that I've just read about. Thousands of thousands. And if you're a true Christian, you'll be one of them. You'll be in that crowd that will join in the heavenly praise of Christ in heaven. And then, you know, as we meet each Lord's Day, Resurrection Day, we can look forward to praising Jesus when he returns to take us there and we'll be glorified together with him forever. That's what it's all about. You know, just to conclude, what a triumphal entry that will be when Jesus returns. Not to offer himself for sin. He did that at his first coming but to give eternal salvation to those who believed in him. In Hebrews 9.28 So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. 
That will be a day of salvation. For those who eagerly wait for it. But for others it will be a day of condemnation. It will be a, a day of damnation. And you know the judgment will be made on whether or not Jesus made a triumphant entry into your heart in this life. You see, I never even really thought of that. I thought of that when I became a Christian. I thought, in a way, Christ made a triumphal <laughs> entry into my soul. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen. If you want to go to heaven, to trust in Christ, he has to make a triumphal entry into there. And it is a triumphal entry. Because he starts overcoming the sin. He starts getting sanctified, made holy. This has been a triumphal entry into your soul. And you know there are many people whose hearts have been touched by Christ. But you know what? He didn't find a home there. How many people do you know who've made, his, made a start in Christianity, some kind of start, coming to church, getting baptised, taking communion, etc, etc. But all of a sudden they're nowhere. They've been touched, but they didn't allow Christ to find a home there. Christ didn't find a home there, for whatever reason. You see, Christ must find a home in your heart before you die. Yeah. It says in Hebrews, it's been given once for men to die, yeah. and then to face the judgment. There's no such thing as a second chance. Christ must be received on earth, in this life. And the challenge to us is in our final hymn. Have you any room for Jesus? Are you ready to face him? Amen. Amen.